Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Hebrews chapter number 4. Book of Hebrews chapter number 4. We're going to read verses 12 and 13 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 4. Reading verses number 12 and 13. The writer of Hebrews writes and he says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Did you hear what the Bible says? The Bible says that the word of the Lord, the Bible, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give Account. Father, thank you once again for your incredible, powerful, infallible, miraculous word. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have honored your word, Lord, as we've gone through this series the last few weeks, God. You have honored your word, and I pray today again you will honor your word today. Holy Spirit, do what needs to be done today. Do what we are unable to do. Father, we ask for your help today. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, I have declared the year 2017 to be a year of the Bible. That this year, in the year 2017, we are going to focus on the Word of God. And during this year, I am challenging every single one of us to read the entire Bible. Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm challenging all of us uh, to read uh, every word uh, of this book uh, in the coming coming year. And I, I really, really hope that you have accepted this challenge. And, and I believe so many of you have. And I'm hearing reports of, uh, of some that, that, that are. And I'm excited about that. We are currently in a series on what we should do with the Bible. What should we do with the Bible? I'm not just challenging you to read the Word of the Lord, but I'm, I'm telling you what we need to do uh, about the Word of God. In this series, we are making an acrostic out of the word Bible. And with each letter of this word, I am challenging all of us to do five things with the Bible. For the letter B, our first sermon was believe it. What should we do with the Bible? We should first of all believe it. For the letter I, we should inhale it. For the second letter B in the word Bible, what should we do with the Bible? Build your life on it. And for the letter L, love it. And today, and the final sermon with this uh, last letter of the word Bible, and for the letter E, what should we do with the Bible? Examine yourself by it. Examine yourself by it. Hebrews 4 and 12 again says that the Bible, God's word, it says that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And it says that nothing is hidden from it. So what should we do with the Bible? We should examine ourselves by it. I'll tell you this morning that if you are experiencing or if you are comparing your life with some other person, you are using the wrong measuring device. 
And some people do that. They, you know, they look at George or they look at, uh, you know, at, uh, at Tom or, or they look at uh, Sally or Sue. And, you know, they look at them and they look at their life and they look at th- their life and they look at their own life and they say, well, you know, I'm not doing too bad. You know, when I look at them, I'm doing pretty good. But, but, but how many understand that if you're comparing your life with some other person, you're using the wrong measuring device? Measure, measure yourself by God's word. Examine yourself with the commands and the instructions of the Bible. Well, this morning I want to talk about four areas of self-examination. I want us to examine ourselves in four areas. Now, now, now I want to get to point four as quickly as I possibly can. So my first three points today, they're going to have to be kind of a quick hit and run. I, I'd like to stay there. Uh, in fact, I could have a, a, a whole sermon on each one of these points, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to get to point number four, so I'm just going to kind of do a hit and run on the first three this morning. The first area of self-examination is in the area of our commitment. I mean, I could stay there a while. We'll make two statements this morning concerning our commitment. The first one is this. Our priorities reveal our level of commitment. We'll say that again. Our priorities reveal our level of commitment. See, here's what I've discovered, and that is people do what people really want to do. You say, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that, I don't have time for something else. But in reality, we always take time to do what we really want to do. What is high on our list of priorities. People make time for the things that are most important to them. Matter of fact, people, people deny themselves certain things in order to be able to do other things. So our priorities reveal our level of commitment. I want to ask you this morning, how how committed are we to God? How committed are we to his house? How committed are we to his people? How how committed are we to pray? How committed are, are, are we to read the word of God? Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says, and Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. How much? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So I believe this morning that we need to examine our commitment. But not only do our priorities reveal our level of commitment, let me suggest this number two this morning, that is our participation. Our participation reveals our level of commitment. Somebody said talk is cheap. Somebody else said, actions speak louder than words. See, see, we can claim to be committed, but, but, but it's our actions and not our words that prove it. James chapter 1 and verse number 22, James says, don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. He goes on to say, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. Let's look at another area where we need to examine ourselves uh, this morning. That is in our conduct. Our conduct. Let's look at, look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. And let's read the first 11 verses. Ephesians 5 verse 1 through 11. Paul writes and he says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. 
and walk in love as Christ also loved us and, and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication in all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So this area where we need to examine ourselves today is, is in the area of, of, our, of our conduct. And, and, you know, we hear very little preached today about Christian conduct. I don't know all of the reasons, but perhaps because of the previous generation uh, was so legalistic. I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in a very legalistic church, a very legalistic ministry. And, And I think maybe because the previous generation was so legalistic that the present generation today has loosened the reins too much. Do I believe the reins needed to be loosened? Absolutely. But I think there has been a knee-jerk reaction, and whereby the previous generation was so legalistic, the present generation has loosened the reins far too much. I want you to hear this this morning. Here's a good statement. Although good Christian conduct is not the basis of our salvation, it should be the fruit of it. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get it this morning. Although good Christian conduct is not the basis of our salvation. We're not saved based upon our conduct. If we were saved based upon our conduct, no one here this morning would have a chance, including me. Although good Christian conduct is not the basis of our salvation, yet it should be the fruit of it. I want to suggest two things right here this morning. Number one is biblical conduct is proven in our talk. Biblical conduct is proven in our talk. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 34 says, Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. The old timers used to say, Whatever's in the well will come out in the bucket. (laughs) Biblical conduct is proven in our t- talk. See, 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 the words that we choose to use and what we choose to talk about reveal a whole lot about us. See, sinners have their language and saints have theirs. And saints should never use the language of the sinner. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 4 says, Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. 
Paul is talking to the saints and he's saying, listen, listen, the world has its language and the saint has their language and they're far apart. Verse number 12, he said, it is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. Let me suggest that not only is biblical conduct proven in our talk, but, but I believe, number two, biblical conduct is proven in our walk. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 11 says, Since one day everything around us is going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives should we live? See, see, the Bible is filled with admonition about true Christian conduct. And once again, I want to say it again because I want to be abundantly clear this morning. That is, we don't practice holy living in order to be saved. We practice holy living because we are saved. Somebody said if it walks like a duck and it acts like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So that means that people that walk like sinners and people that talk like sinners are probably sinners. And the same could be said for the saints. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he said, if anyone is in Christ, he receives a new nature. And he said, the old nature is gone and the new nature has come. Now, certainly, certainly no one is perfect. And, and often the one pointing an accusing finger at someone has bigger issues than the one they're pointing at. Here's what I know. I know this, and that is when we examine our conduct with with what the Bible teaches, every single one of us fall far short. So what should we do with the Bible? We should examine ourselves by it. Today we're examining our commitment. We're examining our conduct. And number three, we need to examine our commission. See, See, God didn't save us just so we could sit sour and soak. And for some of you, I could add the word sulk. The Bible says that Jesus gave everyone, gave every saint a commission. And the commission is to take the message of salvation that we have received and to share it with others. We are so selfish. We want everything for ourselves. We're always praying, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Listen, I want to tell you, if God never does one other thing for you than the fact that he saved your soul, that in and of itself is enough. Will God bless you? Does he have great plans for you? Will he do far more than that? Yes, he will. But I'm telling you, the very fact that we are saved today, the very fact that God has provided salvation for us, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, then that in and of itself ought to be enough. But it's not enough for us just to receive salvation and to hoard it to ourselves. But we are to be a dispenser, amen, of the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. That which we have received, that which we have heard, that which has blessed us, we need to share with other people so it can be a blessing to them as well. Every saint has been given the commission to take the message of salvation that we have received and share it with others actually Not just share it with others, but actually to share it with the world. I want to say two things here this morning. Number one, the Great Commission is a commandment. What amen for that. Thank you for the one. 
The Great Commission is a commandment. Now I got three amens. I'm gaining. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, is what we, has come to be known as the Great Commission. The commission that Jesus gave to every saint. Jesus said to them in verse 15, Go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a suggestion to me. But not only is the Great Commission a commandment, but number two, the Great Commission is a cooperation. A cooperation. Listen, listen, to reach the world with the message of Christ will require a cooperative effort. Let's look in the book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter number 10, verse 13 through 15. Paul writes, and Paul writes, and he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then he says in verse number 14, he says, but how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And he says, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall the preacher preach unless that preacher be sent? When it comes to the Great Commission, two types of people are needed, goers and senders. Now, at the Grace Place, our mission statement is caring people, caring for people. If anybody asks you what your church is all about, just tell them we're about caring for people. Because we are caring people, caring for people. And we use a twofold method to try and accomplish this. The first one is by providing care for all of our people. It is our desire that everyone that comes to the Grace Place, whether they are an official member or whether they are just a casual attender, but anyone that comes to the Grace Place, it is our desire. And, and, and we do everything within our power to make sure that we make sure that they are cared for. My greatest desire is to make this church to develop a caring atmosphere, an atmosphere of care. That's the atmosphere that I want when you walk into the Grace Place, that atmosphere of care. We're not here to put on a show. We're not here to say our lights are better than the lights down the street or, you know, our production is better or our preaching is better. It is, but, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. Just trying to keep you awake, all right? I want people, when they walk in here, to genuinely be cared for. So we use a twofold method to accomplish our, our vision of caring people, caring for people. The first one is pro- by providing care for all of our people. The second one is by partnering with caring ministries around the world. And you hear about it every single Sunday, and as long as I'm the pastor, you'll hear about it every single Sunday until I'm done. 
We partner with caring ministries around the world. We, we partner, I've already said it in the offering time, we partner with over 116 missionaries on, on a monthly basis. And they're in dozens and dozens of countries around the world. We partner with organizations that specialize in humanitarian efforts like drilling water wells. There are people that have never had fresh water that have fresh water now because we've drilled them a water well. I mean, no, it's hard to tell somebody about the spiritual water if they've got bad earthly water. So we give them good fresh water, and then we tell them about the fountain of living water. Amen? We partner with organizations that feed hungry children, and, and we, we, we partner with people who provide medical care and, and people that house homeless people and people that care for orphans. We partner with missionary evangelists who conduct massive crusades where tens of thousands of people get saved. One of our main missions evangelists that we support here has won in his ministry over a million people, and I'm going to tell you that we have been a partner with him for the last 14 years years I've been the pastor of this church so he doesn't get all the credit and he's not going to get all the rewards in heaven we're getting some of them we partner with people that build Bible schools in order to train pastors and leaders in foreign countries. One of the most exciting things that we do is we partner with what's called Fire Bible. Fire Bible places a study Bible in the hands of native pastors that, that have never had a full Bible in their native language. Can you imagine what it would be like to have a preacher preaching to you that didn't even have a Bible? And then some that do have a Bible, they don't, know, they don't have a correct interpretation of the Bible. One of these pastors was preaching that when it comes time to take the mark of the beast, because you don't want to go hungry, so take the mark of the beast. But no longer, this pastor now has a, an Assemblies of God study Bible. Amen. It's not only the Bible in his own language, but there are study notes from Assemblies of God theologians, amen, that, that, that will help him uh, in his studies and help him preach uh, a correct gospel. I mean, well, that's exciting. And the list goes on and on and on and on of our partners who care for people all around the world. We give so they can go. As you examine yourself by what the Bible commands in this area, I want to ask you, how do you measure up? How do you measure up? Are you, are you participating in, mission, in the missions ministry of the Grace Place? Listen, in the year of the Bible, I'm challenging all of us to not only read it, but to heed it. I'm challenging us to examine ourselves by it. And as our imperfections and our shortcomings become evident to us, and if you read it, I'm telling you, it will show up. When those imperfections and shortcomings become evident to us as we read the Word of God, then we ask God to help us to grow in these particular areas. All right, let's look at the fourth and final area where we need to make a self-examination. Now, I'm going to spend some time here this morning. That is in the area of our community. Our community. Now, listen, community is the new word for fellowship. So when I'm talking about community, and when you start hearing us talk about community around here in the next weeks and months and years ahead, when we talk about community, we're talking about fellowship. That's the new word for fellowship is community. 
The new word for fellowship is what? So we need to examine our community using the measuring stick of the Bible. In the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42, in the beginning of the church, when the church, the church, how many know the church was born on the day of Pentecost? Did you know that? One person said amen. The the church was born on the day of Pentecost. How many know that the pattern for for the church today should be the pattern that we receive from the early church that was born on the day of Pentecost? So in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, it says, speaking of those that had been saved, those that had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, those that were a part of this new fledgling church, the Bible says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To what? And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse number 46, it says every day they continued to meet together. They what? They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. Where? They broke bread in their homes and ate together. They what? And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It sounds to me like the early church practiced ongoing community. They were big on fellowship. You talk about fellowship and some people think you're not being very Spiritual, you know. Uh, But listen, it is a vital part of the church. And it was a very vital part of the early church. And I believe it was a vital part of the early church. That it ought to be a vital part of the church today. I want to suggest two things uh, that relate to the church and its community. Remembering the word community, we're talking about fellowship. Two things that relate to the church and its community or or it's fellowship. Number one, the saints should go to church. Now, everybody ought to be able to say amen there today because you're here. Amen. So I'm going to say that again, give you a really good time to say amen. The saints should go to church. Amen. I'm talking about those rascals that are not here this morning. Oh, I'm sure the rest of them will show up in the second service, and most of them will. The saints should go to church. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 46, talking about the early church, said they worshiped together at the temple. Say together. together. They worshiped together at the temple. Say at the temple. And Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some are doing. The saints should go to church. Listen, that ought to be a no-brainer. You say, Pastor, why? Why should the saints go to church? Well, we ought to go to church to worship. We should go to church to worship. We ought to go to church to fellowship. We ought to go to church to be discipled. Discipled. Amen. Uh, you, you ought to be taking notes this morning, and you ought, to, you, ought to, you ought to keep the notes that you have. And somewhere down the line, you're going to need them, and you can pull them out and get them. Or it will remind you, and you can go online, and the sermons are there. You know, I mean, there, there's hundreds, I think, of sermons online right now. 
But you go to the house of God to be discipled. You need to come out on Wednesday night, not just Sunday morning, but you need to come out on Wednesday night where we have what we call our cultivation classes. And this is our discipleship for our adults is on Wednesday night. You need to come to the house of God to be discipled. You need to come to the house of God to use your gifts. You need to come to the house of God. You need to come to church to pool your res- our resources together in order to reach our world with a message of Christ. And we need to come to church. The saints should come to church to encourage one another and pray for one another. How many would agree with me this morning? The saints should go to church. And not only should the saints go to church, listen to me, the church should go to the saints. Yes, the church should go, the saint, yes, the saints should go to church, but the church should go to the saints. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 says that they worshiped at the temple and, say and, And. say it again, say it one more time. They went to the temple and they met in homes. Now please pay close attention for the rest of this teaching this morning. At the Grace Place, we are trying to put all the pieces of the puzzle together that will make us more effective and help us fulfill God's divine purpose for us. Trying to put all of the pieces of the puzzle together. Listen, let me tell you, to make the church function, to make the church uh, work, to make the church grow, to make the church healthy. Listen, there are many pieces of the puzzle. It's a, big, it's a big old puzzle. And here at the Grace Place, we're trying to put all of the pieces of the puzzle together so that we can become more effective. We don't want to just be effective. We want to be more effective. I want to be more effective in 2017 than I was in 2016. I want us to be more effective in the year 2020 than we are today. It is our goal. It is our drive, amen, to make this church more effective. And to help us fulfill God's divine purpose for us. We're not trying to do what the church down the street's doing. We're not trying to do what the super church is doing on TV. Amen. We know what God has called us to do. We know what our vision is. We know what God has put in our heart. We know what God has required of us. And so we're doing the very best that we can to put all the pieces of the puzzle together so that we can fulfill God's divine purpose for us. Listen, lately I've become absolutely consumed, consumed with not just doing things right, but rather doing right things. How many know there's a big difference in doing things right and doing right things? You can do the, you can do things right, but if you're not doing the right things, you're not going to be very effective. Or even if you are effective, you may not be effective in the area whereby you've been called to. Now, I believe that we're doing a lot of right things here at the Grace Place, and it's evident. It's evident. We've grown in the last uh, two and a half years. We've grown from, from, two, from 340 people to 500. And we started almost 14 years ago with about 80. And we're knocking on the door 500, sometimes a little over, sometimes a little under. I believe we're doing a lot of right things here at the Grace Place. I even believe that we have attempted to do community well here. Listen, we have done it better at times than at other times, but I think that we are lacking in this area at the present time, so therefore we're going to focus on this area in the coming days ahead, the area of community, the area of fellowship, the area of getting everyone connected. 
Now, if you've been around here very long, you've heard about the care ministry. For the past four years, we have had the care ministry in place. I believe this is in the divine will of God that we did this four years ago. And I think it's been an incredible blessing and help and asset to us. And the care ministry provides some community, but not to the degree that we believe is necessary. And because of this, we are overhauling the care ministry. So if you're a care minister, we've already talked to you, hopefully. If not, you didn't come to the meeting. We weren't able. We tried even if you didn't come to the meeting to get one-on-one with you. But it's our, been our best that you didn't hear about this the first time today. And I don't think anyone is. But if you are, listen up carefully. But everyone listen carefully. We are overhauling the care ministry. Now listen, when you overhaul something, you totally take, take it apart. And you fix what is broken. And then you put it back together again, Right? Amen. If Ricky were sitting there, I would, and he will be in the second service, I could look to him because he's a mechanic and he's overhauled a lot of engines. I don't think, Raymond Temple, I don't think you've overhauled any engines. Amen. <laughs> but how many agree with me? When you overhaul something, you totally take it apart, you fix what is broken, and then you put it back together again, correct? You don't throw it away, you fix it. And this is exactly what we are currently attempting to do with the care ministry at the Grace Place. Because after four years, we have a pretty good idea concerning the care ministry. We got a pretty good idea what works and what doesn't work. We've also discovered that what works in theory doesn't always work in reality. We've also discovered that what looks good on paper doesn't totally materialize in real life. Especially when you're working with people. (laughs) So here's what we have learned in the past four years about about the care ministry. Number one, not everyone wants to be in a care group. We've learned that. You know, it was our desire to put everybody, to get everybody, anybody that came to our church was going to be in a care, going to be in a care group. But we discovered in the last four years that not everybody wants to be in a care group. Do you know why the Boy Scout had such a hard time getting the little old lady across the street? She didn't want to go. Hard to get somebody. Where they don't want to go. And we've discovered that some people don't want to go. And you know what? We've decided it's okay. It's okay. We release you. We're not going to put guilt on you. We're not going to make you feel bad. If you haven't been in a group, if you don't join a new group, you're not going to be, we're not going to feel bad about you. We have learned not everybody wants to be in a care group. Number two, we have learned that people want to be in a group with other people with similar interests. We just thought because, you know, we were such godly people that could hear from God. We could just put you in a group and you would just march right to our drum and everything would be great. But we've discovered that people want to be in a group with other people with similar interests. And we've discovered that people with common interests in the the same season of life, that's what they're interested in. That people with... uh, with, with common interests, people with, in the same season of life seem to have more authentic community. Now hear me this morning, we should all love one another. 
We should all love one another. But when it comes to hanging out together, people with similar interests and in the same season of life seem to be able to do it more naturally. Now, there's exceptions to that. But the exceptions are few. And so we are dissolving the current care ministry groups. Did you hear me? We are dissolving the current care ministry groups. Listen carefully. Listen to this. The current groups will continue to function until the new groups are formed. Did you hear me? The current groups will continue to function until the new groups are formed. But as soon as the new groups are formed, the old groups will then be dissolved. If you got that, raise your hand. Number three, we have a new name for this ministry. We have a new name for this ministry. The care ministry will be called C-groups. C-groups. I want to give you the vision for these C-groups. The vision for these C-groups is to provide an opportunity for every person at the Grace Place to experience authentic care and community through C-groups. Notice it says to provide an opportunity. It doesn't say every person got to be in one. So don't leave the church thinking I'm going to make you be in one of these groups. Think you should be in one of these groups. Think you should at least give it a try. But we've found in the last four years not everybody wants to be in a group. And it's okay. Our vision, once again, is to provide an opportunity for every person at the Grace Place to experience authentic care and community through C-groups. Number four, this is big. Say to your neighbor, say, it's a big one. It's a big one, Elizabeth. (laughs) Can't say that in second service, they're too young. You know what I'm talking about? You've lived such a sheltered life, son. Number four, people will be able to choose, say choose. People will be able to choose their own C group based on similar interests and season of life. Number five, the function of these groups will be twofold. First of all, they will provide care. See, we're not doing away with the care ministry. We're just overhauling it. We're just adding a component to it. We're just making it better. The function of these groups will be twofold. First of all, they'll they'll provide care. They'll provide care through life event support. If you're at the hospital, we're hoping that that people from your group will visit you there. If you're walking through a difficult time, your C group people will be there with you to walk through that difficult time with. They'll provide care through life events, through praying, through being your prayer partners, through spiritual accountability. Number two, they will provide community. 
And this is where we've been lacking in the care ministry as community. Yes, there was a component in the care ministry that you met once a quarter, but that seldom happened. And when it did happen, only a few people showed up because you did not choose your group and because there wasn't enough uh, uh, camaraderie and common denominator among you. And so we're working on the community part of this. And so the, and the C groups will provide community through a monthly, say monthly. monthly. It was quarterly before, now it will be monthly. It will be a monthly community connection. But once again, you're going to be getting together, not with the people that we put in your group, but within the people that you, in the group you joined. You know, you're a whole lot more, exciting, more, whole lot more excited about going to something that you joined than you are to going to something you've been assigned to. I don't know why we were so dumb and it took us four years to figure this out. <laughs> I'll tell you why it took so long. It's because everybody knows this is my baby. Everybody knows this is my heart. And so everybody tiptoes through the tulips around me in this area. When you don't understand, my baby is not the care ministry. My baby is caring for people. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what you do. I don't care as long as my people are cared for. That's my heart. Not some ministry, not some program, not some this and that and something else. I just want our people to be cared for. I'm a bulldog, but I don't bite. You should say I've never bitten anybody, but there might be one or two in the last 40 years that would think I might have bit them. I don't know. So these C groups will provide community through a monthly community connection. And we are calling this First Sunday. Say First Sunday. You're going to hear a lot about that in the next few weeks. You're going to hear a lot about that in the next few years. We're calling it First Sunday. So on the first Sunday of the month or any time during the week of the first Sunday of the month, not Sunday morning, of course, <laughs> but at any other time that works, these C groups are going to meet. Now, some of them are going to meet in, are going to meet in homes. And some are going to meet in restaurants, and some are going to meet in parks, and some are going to meet in other places. Whatever works for each particular group. And these meetings are for pure fellowship or pure community. These are not Bible studies. These are not prayer meetings. These are not discipleship meetings. This is for pure community. This is for pure fellowship. This is for us to rub shoulders with other people of like precious faith that we have something in common with. Someone we can connect with. We understand that if we don't connect with at least a handful of people in the church, no matter how great the worship is or how phenomenal the preaching is, the people will not stay. I want to tell you, I've had people come to me and say, we think we love your preaching, but we're going to another church. I'm saying, Why can, how can you do that? Because we didn't connect. 
We loved to come to your church. We loved your service. We loved your worship. We loved your preaching. We loved, we loved Sunday morning. We loved the church, but we never connected with anybody. And because we've never connected with anybody, we're going to go somewhere where maybe we can connect. Listen, I don't want people leaving the church because they're not connecting. And the bulldog's going to bark a little bit right now, and that is some people will never connect because they don't want to connect. And that's okay. We've come to terms with that. See, our discipleship takes place on Wednesday night. Listen, we have an inc- I'll tell you something. We have phenomenal Wednesday night here. It's not, it's not second best. It's top shelf. Wednesday night. Amen. And it's our discipleship. Discipleship takes place on Wednesday night. We have cultivation classes for our, for our adults. Several classes going that you get to choose. We're Americans. Burger King says, have it your way. We're learning in the church. Our discipleship takes place on Wednesday night through cultivation classes, through Royal Rangers. Randy would tell you Royal Rangers boasts to be the number one soul winning ministry in the Assemblies of God. I just don't know where you count them though because I got saved in Royal Rangers in Sunday school and youth and every revival. I don't know where you, I'm just messing with Randy a little bit now. Phenomenal. Never been better. Incredible ministry. Girls ministry, man, it's rocking. It's rocking, man. Uh, Youth ministry, next level youth, man, they're doing awesome back there. That's our discipleship. So these C groups are not taking the place of, they're not discipleship groups. They're not prayer meetings. Didn't say you wouldn't ever pray, but they're not prayer meetings. They're not Bible studies. We have them every Sunday morning, or I mean every Wednesday night, and, and, and the women have them about 12 times a week. I'm sure I'm raising more questions than I'm giving answers today. It's a lot to take in, and it's going to take some time. It's going to take some more information for you to grasp it all. But next Sunday, you're going to hear much more of the nuts and bolts of this ministry. And so I want to challenge you. I want to ask you, please, please, to be here. And there was a lot of coming and going this morning while I'm preaching. I'm not chastising you. I'm just asking you, please, if you came in late or you left in the middle or whatever, get online and listen to the message today, please. Don't just leave because you got five minutes of it or 12 minutes of it or you might have missed the 30 seconds you needed to hear. So please get online and listen to it. Amen? Amen? I wanted to take just a moment this morning and talk to you out of my heart. I'm a pastor. I'm not just a preacher. I'm a leader, but I'm not just a leader. I'm a pastor. And I want my people to be cared for. And I know you're not supposed to take it personally, but when anybody leaves the church, it rips my heart out especially good quality people that said at least they love me. I have a heart for people. 
And I want to make sure that my people are cared for. And I'll make sure that all of our people connect. And we've grown to a size where I can no longer care for everyone personally. It's virtually impossible to do that personally. Not to the extent that I want to care for them at least. And it's out of my pastor's heart that these C groups are being born. And my staff and I are constantly working at improving the ministries of this church in order to make sure that all of our people are cared for. And we believe, we strongly believe that these C groups have the potential of doing just that. The potential of providing authentic care and authentic community. So again, please come back next Sunday to hear more of our heart on this and hear more of the details of this ministry. I'm very, very excited about the potential of this piece of the puzzle. And I also believe that this will help us care for more people that I believe with all my heart God has already planned to send us. Because as we've grown to a low, I think our low when I was here was 82. We've grown from a low of 82 to over 500 in the last 14 years. I believe in the next seven, eight years, God can help us grow from 500 to 1,000. I believe that when I hand the baton to whoever the next person is, they're going to they're gonna inherit a church of 1,000. Not for my ego. Not to make me look good. I believe that's where God wants us to go and that's where God wants us to be. And I know what I can do with a 1,000 people. Amen. I can touch a lot of lives. Amen. I can plant a lot of churches. I can drill a lot of water wells. I can win a lot, millions of souls. Amen. The last 20 years, my wife and I have prayed the same prayer, and that is that our latter years would be greater than our former years. It's already happening. It has, has been happening the last couple of years, but I believe it's just a springboard. I believe it's just the beginning of what God has for us. I'm not treading water. I'm not resting on my laurels. I'm not taking the easy street. I'm not riding out in the sunset. I'm going out kicking and screaming. I'm going out on top for the glory of God. Amen? Can I get some help on the platform this morning, please? Let's finish up today with our takeaway for today's message, but not only today's message, but this entire five-week series, and it's this. People who go to God's Word for correction are happier, healthier, and holier. Father, I just pray that you'll take the word that has been shared this morning. Father, I do believe that you have called us for such a time as this. God, if you never did anything else for our church than what you've already done for us, Lord, we would be so grateful and thankful. But, but God, I know in my heart of hearts, Lord, that this is not the end. This is not the plateau. This is not Where you ultimately want to take us, God, you have, you, you have so much more that you want to do in and through us and for us. And God, I pray that you will help us, Father, Lord, to get the systems in place, get the right people in the right places and the right positions, the health of the church right, all of the, 
all of the little pieces of the puzzle so we can be running on all cylinders so we can be most effective and we can see the greatest results kingdom results eternal results in Jesus name